Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Andrea Gazzetta! Yay! Yay! And we have got uh, an amazing episode for you this week. It's Andrea's week. I had a great time. Yeah! <laughs> this, is, uh, this is a rare Andrea episode, and we're super, super excited to, to have her on. Um... To have her on, like you're not on the Recurring fucking show. Yes. <laughs> yeah. To have you do one. This you was... could kick me out at any time. <laughs> no, we can't. You own thirty percent of the company. <laughs> what? I didn't know. I think so. Yeah. I get paid in Panera gift. <laughs> uh, this episode is so much fun. Before we get into it, we got a little bit of uh, news. First of all, uh, if you haven't heard, we got Patreon now. Patreon.com slash cold podcast. Um, and if you are a pod, uh, if you are a Patreon member, or if you uh, just are now becoming a Patreon member, I would keep an eye out because there's a fun poll that's going to go up uh, pretty soon that I think you might be interested in, and it pertains to. <laughs> Our live show. Woohoo! For it. Uh, I think both shows are going to do really, really well, and I think it's going to be an absolutely amazing time. And uh, we're running. We're running. And we're helping raise some money for uh, our friends in Kansas City Panic Fest. Panic Fest has uh, been hit pretty goddamn hard, seeing as how they're so directly tied to, you know, the theater, the Screenland armor. Um, which can't really do anything in this, uh, I don't want to call it uncertain times, but now I feel how all those goddamn advertisers feel where they're like, I don't want to call it the coronavirus, but that's what it is. Um, in these uncertain times, when zombies have risen from the ground and started eating our legs, <laughs> we bring you crutches. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Hyundai. Anyway, uh, um... <laughs> Yeah, so if you want uh, to buy a ticket for that, the tickets are on sale until midnight, uh, well, 11.59 p.m. on Friday, October 30th. And that is 11.59 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We late over here. Um, That is going to be on coltpodcastshow.com. Go get your tickets now. $20. Very excited. And you only need one per household, by the way. Yeah, you definitely only yeah. need one per household. We're not going to check. You guys can yeah. share a screen. It's fine. It's Don't care. Totally check. We um, have no way to monitor that. <laughs> Colt Podcast will be sending someone to your house. <laughs> you remember the census that happened? That was bullshit. That was for this live show. <laughs> we got you, motherfucker. Uh, that's going to be so much fun. Um the other thing that we have to announce is that uh, as of last week, we are now live on Rooster Teeth. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> we, <laughs> I fucking love it every time. Um, <laughs> in case you wanted to, uh, in case you wanted to watch us or listen to us somewhere else, you can go to Rooster Teeth, uh, their website or their app, which is also really great, has us there and a bunch of other really fun content as well. Um, 
if you were on last week or if you listened last week you got to hear red web and black box down which are two shows that are also available there um and this monday no and last monday and the monday before Paige and i were guests on good morning from hell uh which is also available there with blaine gibson and krista maris and in the future uh you might be able to hear andre on an episode it's Yay. coming up it's gonna be Yay. really fun um not immediately but uh you know in the near future tomorrow <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh and i think without any further ado uh, let's get into the show Red. Why is that the one that it's we fucking so nailed it on? Better. All of our hearts and souls were in it. Completely. 100%, 100%. It's because it had gluten in it. <laughs> gluten tog. Don't drink the For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm, organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership, organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers, organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships, and organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always, these are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have Andrea Casada. Yay! Hey. And it's Andrea's week. What? what? Who am I? What happened? <laughs> Yeah, uh, Paige just did, I don't know, five straight weeks of podcasts, <laughs> and Armando's researching the live show, so I decided to help out a little bit, and I have grown so much more in respect for both of you. <laughs> I feel was... like we need to have Andrea do episodes more often, because every time she does, she's just like, oh my god, you guys, you do so much. Every time I do it, I'm just like grumpy and just like, what is happening? And it's, like, I understand Armando's hair situation so much more. <laughs> yeah, she did do like a Grinch where like her hair grew three sizes this day. <laughs> my hair is just out of control and like greasy. And I'm just like, I'll be in the other room just yelling, are you kidding me? And then Armando's like, what? And I was like, you get it. I'll tell you later. <laughs> it was it was really fun to watch my girlfriend turn into me. <laughs> Where, like at the end of days, Andrea. Oh God, that sounds grim. At the end of days, uh, at the end of at the end of researching, Andrea would come to the bedroom and just and I'd be like, Hey, are you okay? And she's like, No, humanity's awful. I need weed. <laughs> and also, my balls itch for some reason. <laughs> and I, can and I can't eat my... cheese. <laughs> Don't say that, Paige. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, guys, are you ready? <laughs> I'm I'm so, so ready. I'm so excited. I'm very, very excited. Paige, how many steroids have you had today? None? <laughs> None today. None okay. today. Earlier this week, man, just, to give people an update, because none of this ended up on social media, I think I just kind of went dark on social media for three days, and no one noticed, so I'm hurt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, as some, as people who've listened to the show for a long time know, my lungs are trash, and there was a delay in getting my normal medication because COVID, 
And I had to scramble for like three days to try and get a combination of medications to bridge the gap. But now I have my normal fancy syringe medication. And so we good. Yeah. But there were a couple days where I stayed up all night making bread and cooking meats. So I mean, live your best life, honestly. Patreon steroids is so weird because like you're right. You like you stay up really late. You take on these weird projects. You hit 500 home runs and play for the Giants. Civilization. (laughs) When you started that sentence where you're like, you stay up really late and take on weird projects. I was like, this is how I ended up with four podcasts. Steroids. What have you done? Oh, no. Uh, Okay, guys. So let's get into it. Um, Today, we're covering a pretty fun group. We live in a world. In a world. Where men's sexual pleasure is prioritized over women's well-being. Oh, hell yeah, Oh, so like, so societies. Society, yeah. Like normal, everyday life. She said, we live in a world. (laughs) In a world where everything is exactly the same. (laughs) That is this world. Uh, Same world. I don't know, like, I don't know what women. Hey, lady. Lady. (laughs) <laughs> Ladies. You yes. know how when you're younger you think that orgasms only exist for men? Ladies. <laughs> no, but I read a lot of romance novels. Continue. I, I will say for my sexual experience, when I was a kid, I legit thought that sex was only enjoyable for men because like when you watch movies, sex is always done when the man is done. And it seems like sex is only this thing that women do for men when they love them and that love is predicated on the things that men do or buy for women. And so that for me, like as a kid, I was like, okay, so like men buy women shit and then women have sex with them because men really seem to like that. But I didn't think that sex was something that was enjoyable for women at all. No clue. No idea. And I would say that the group we're covering today is a group that developed as a way to <clears throat> fill the void. Oh, okay. Of I was female g- sexuality. <laughs> okay. I mean, my my thing. I'm glad. I think a bonus of being a late bloomer is that by the time I started having sex, my thought process was I buy my own shit to make me happy because then I can have the shit I want. Exactly. And then you exactly. have sex, which also makes me happy. And ideally, the other person is also happy consenting adults. I would argue that when I was in high school and I heard that girls were having sex, I was like, why? I have an allowance. I don't need you to buy me <laughs> a bread bowl from Panera. Like, I don't need this. I'm just just thinking of the real sad economy of trading sex for a bread bowl at Panera. What is a high school relationship? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I thought happened. I was like, sometimes when a boy wants to have sex with a girl, he buys her a bread bowl at Panera. So in your, hold on, hold on, hold on. Or prom tickets. You think that orgasms are like food stamps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, When a girl loves a bread bowl very much. (laughs) Which, I get it. I mean, (laughs) but I have an allowance. I don't need this right now. Like, I'm good. I don't need to risk pregnancy for a bread bowl. It's fine. (laughs) 
a different kind of bread bowl when you think about it. A different kind of bun in the bread bowl. A bun in the <laughs> oven, if you will. Oh my god, what if my bun in the oven was a bread bowl? Do you have a bun in the oven right now? Not right now, but like when I okay. do, what if I was like, it's a cheese broccoli bun, you know? <laughs> this got off the rails immediately. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Can we can we pause for a second? Because I have a really important question to ask you guys. Yeah, sure, 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 um, sure. Where do bread bowls come from? <laughs> the oven. <laughs> I had a really bad sex ed program they never taught me. When yeast and flour love each other very much, the oh, yeast God. feeds on the sugars and proteins. You got to you got to make sure you hit the bread bowl order, the bread bowl sex order correctly or else that bread bowl will give you a yeast infection. When a girl loves a bread bowl. When a man buys a bread bowl. He can do no wrong. (laughs) Fill it with soups till you can come in peace. (laughs) Guys. That's clam chowder. Anyway, guys. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Fuck, man. All right. New, new only this winter at Panera Bread, <laughs> the Chowder Cumble. We haven't even said what comment is <laughs> We're calling it the Chowder from Down Under. No, that doesn't work. Oh my god! Uh, I'm just picturing. You know, have you ever seen like sex workers on Tinder where they're like, however many roses is like yeah, pricing? Yeah. I'm just picturing it just being the little baguette emoji now. <laughs> to stick your baguette in my bread hole <laughs> you better buy me four and a half bread bowls from your nearest panera uh <sighs> i only have these gift cards so i don't know what to do uh guys hey <laughs> back to the rails we're here in a world <laughs> of bread bowls in order to fill the void one cult steps up to the plate and that cult is one taste Mmm, this sounds like a meal delivery service. <laughs> In many ways, it is, Paige. Yeah, but they, they, they only serve two things, bread bowls and orgasms. <laughs> oh, I thought it was going to be pussy, but okay, sure. <laughs> a few sources for today. We have some great ones. Um, we have the San Francisco Gate article, Doing It in the All Together is what makes this yoga practice altogether free from distractions. We have a 2007 expanded lovemaking podcast um, with Ray Vetterlein. We have uh, The Pleasure Principle, New York Times, 2009. We have... The Pleasure Principle is Skinner's novel that he never put out. (laughs) Do you have a hall pass for that pussy? Yeah, that was... Hey, Edna, you want to go out to Panera for lunch? (laughs) Man, detention is wild. We have a 2011 article titled Om Nom Nom. Orgasmic (laughs) meditation provides food for thought. (laughs) Quick note about... crazy title for an article. Oh, my God, that's ridiculous. Hold on a sec, because this gets better. (laughs) This source is from the Milwaukee... 
newspaper, the Shepherd Express, local Milwaukee newspaper, and it is written by Laura Ann Stewart, who is the owner of the Tool Shed, a feminist sex shop where I bought my first and only dildo. <laughs> it is just a beautiful, beautiful pie of sex. First of all, bowls. that's a crazy name for a sex shop. I am fully here for it. Good it's for so her. <laughs> it's a really great sex shop. Like mostly when you go into a sex shop, you feel a little bit of shame. And in this one, it's like, it's very feminist. And all of the dildos kind of look like they could also be a fine art piece. Ooh. They're like abstract and kind of like, you know, you know, it doesn't look like a dick with like a head. It's not very realistic. It's like, well, this is, uh, you know, a 2020 edition uh dildo hot pink colored uh you can see that it's sleek <laughs> it's see? modern it has four cup holders <laughs> i'm just picturing her being like this is a traffic cone could be a dildo <laughs> like question mark this here is an immersion blender could be a dildo <laughs> i mean Kind of. It's pretty great. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a, it's. I would say it's one of the few sex shops that I've been to that is marketed as kind of by women for women. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it, it was really a positive experience. I didn't feel like creepy or gross when I was. There's there. a great one like that in, in uh, Culver City, actually. You know, there's there's like a ninety nine percent chance they've gotten one like very confused father who is just working <laughs> on like a, a home project. Is this Menards? Can I get some? <laughs> Here's a wrench. Could be a dildo. <laughs> this socket set might be more your speed. It's just like handsome lesbian women sit outside wearing tool shit like tool belts and you can hire them for some reason to help you build a shed or with an orgasm. I was going to say, can you come over? Uh, I've got I've got some bushes that need tending. Uh, <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, it was it was a great place. I highly recommend if you're in Milwaukee, head, check out the tool shed if it's still open and COVID hasn't completely decimated it. Uh, check that out. Uh, another source, damn sources. We're still at sources, guys. Uh, another source is called uh, Nicole De Don's Mission of Orgasmic Meditation. That's from the San Francisco Chronicle. There's a 2011 TED Talk called "Orgasm: The Cure for Hunger in the Western Woman." What? Yep. No. The cure for hunger is clearly a bread bowl from Panera. <laughs> Or at least a baguette. Uh, what the fuck? Hey, guys, I found a way to solve world hunger. My dick. <laughs> I got something everyone should eat. I this was. I will say that there are very few dicks involved in oh. this cult, in this sex cult. Um, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> There's another article called The Trans Strange Truth About Orgasmic Meditation. There's a Love and Radio episode. There is a Bloomberg article from 2018, and there's actually a really good Playboy article um, inside the implosion of one taste. And Oof. yeah, there's some there's another great one from the San Francisco Chronicle that I'm not going to read the title of because it gives a lot of our plot away. But OK, the other thing that was a huge source is. Did I get an Ancestry.com account just to find out the birth date of this cult leader? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> did I go onto LinkedIn to find where and when she worked? Definitely did. Another great source, Yelp reviews. 
Yes. 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 So I couldn't find a lot of information on this person. (laughs) Did I cyberstalk them? Yes. Yes. Uh, This is why I have an ancestry account and also why I love Yelp reviews. Yeah. 100%. Yelp reviews are so helpful because it gives people who have actually had a real experience a platform to speak. Guys. So 10 out of 10 for Yelp. This Panera bread is (laughs) popping. There's four breadsticks by this woman's name. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> and this is how Colt Podcast busts open the Panera, the Panera Bread Bowl sex cult. Can we get a? Can we get like a McDonald's situation where like they gave Travis Scott a meal, but like the the yeah, Panera Balvin a meal, and then Panera Bread just gives it like the Colt Podcast feast. Or like, okay, what about this? Even better, OnlyFans. Why don't you partner with us and Panera, and for a limited time, you could tip your favorite OnlyFans account a bowl of chowder. <laughs> In bread bowls. It's called Only Palms, and it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke for Spanish speakers, baby. Oh my fucking god, I love this. <laughs> Are you guys ready for this call? Oh, no, no, but yes. <laughs> I'm not ready. Just give me a moment with this bread bowl and I'll get there. Paige, what you do with your bread bowl is on your own time. This is not podcast time right now. But it's a Zoom call. It's perfect for you to see my genitals. Go ahead. The founder of One Taste, Nicole Dedone, was born in Los Gatos, California. Now, it's difficult to pin down exactly when she was born. According to one Goodreads biography, it says she was born in 1968. But according to Ancestry.com, it says she was born on August 24th, 1967, to parents Beverly and Joseph Daydone. Um, But I would say her birth date is omitted from almost every single biography that she mentions about herself. And I believe that that's an intentional way for her to feel more young and more appealing and more sexy to a crowd of people that are looking for sex sexiness, you know? I mean, I feel like this is a missed opportunity for her to say that she was born in 69. Yeah. Yeah. She <laughs> nice. really fucked that up. Nice. Yeah. I mean, she... Nicole Daydone, in her own accounts, does not give a lot of specifics about... She doesn't even list, like, her parents' name. I had to find that on Ancestry.com. And she just really doesn't give a ton of specifics about her own life beyond how it relates to her ideas. It sounds like she just leaves everything behind that doesn't help the story she wants other people to know. 100%. That's exactly what she does. Yeah. And again, she did miss an opportunity to tell people she was born on June 9th, 1969, thus making your birthday 6-9-69. That's true. And wow, what a missed opportunity. The number of the feast. A lot of Nicole's early life is filled in by her own accounts, which means we need to take everything with a grain of salt because <laughs> she leaves things out. She says some things that later on you're like, is that real? Um, but in her book, Slow Sex, she talks about learning to cook from her Ukrainian immigrant grandmother. She recalls her grandmother admonishing her for killing the taste of the food by following the recipe. And she learns to cook first by learning what kind of cigarettes her grandmother her her grandmother likes, and how her grandmother wants her house clean. Daydon recognizes that cooking is as much about knowing what her grandmother needs as it is about the food itself, and this is a memory that will shape her ideas about sex later on. 
Did you now. S- did you say that did you say that she <laughs> she took the flavor out of the food? By following the recipe. Is yeah. this is this is this white people culture? It's is this what it white is? White people cooking. Yes, <laughs> it is. Have white we found cooking? have we found the anti spice? <laughs> I, I think and here devil's advocate i think she's making a very good point very badly you know where somebody like has a good intention and then they just do not communicate it well i think what she's saying is there's no one set of rules or steps for each person having sex you need to find out what that person specifically likes in order for it to be a fulfilling experience for both of you 100 percent. i will also say a source i failed to mention is i did listen to 50% 50% of Nicole's own book, Slow Sex. So Ooh. that is also a source. It is a lot. I will say she, so Nicole does this, Nicole does this thing that a lot of gurus and religious scholars do where they will tell you a story in order to illustrate a point. Although in Nicole's case, it often seems like this is a way to just pat out her book because she sometimes starts with a very basic premise that we can all relate to. And then she just jumps way to left field. And sometimes it feels like her basic premise is something that you could learn in 20 minutes. And I think that she uses all of this extra sort of chatter to make it seem more complicated and nuanced than it actually is. Um, One example of this is Nicole states that at an early age, she, like most young girls, focused her energy on pleasing others. And she learned to repress her own desires in order to be a, quote, good girl. We're all on board here, right? That's a thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We all grew girls. We all grew up with this. Ladies. 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 This is you a, know this how is the a... patriarchy keeps you down. Yeah. <laughs> this but is doesn't a... go down on you. <laughs> well, <laughs> well. Well, hold on. Okay. Exceptions are allowed, but uh, not consistently. It's pretty funny to see night and day the the male and 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 female uh, uh, childhood because you guys are like, yeah, you know how you spent your entire child your entire childhood trying to please others, and I was like, <laughs> nope, <laughs> I jumped off no. of ladders. <laughs> I was too busy trying to murder myself by jumping off ladders to think about what anyone else wanted except for Monster Energy Drink to potentially sponsor me. Yes, yes, yes. I feel like that's the part no one ever brings up when it's about jumping ladders is that I was like, what, nine? Just hopped up off Monster Energy. Speaking of sponsorships, monster sponsors. Come on, get at us. Sponsors. That's the drink that comes with our Panera bread meal. <laughs> it's a monster energy drink. It's just a Panera bread bowl full of monster energy drink <laughs> instead of soup. My dad would drink that. My dad works a swing shift 2 a.m. or 6 a.m. Sometimes he wakes up at midnight and sometimes he wakes up at 6 a.m. It's a horrible job. I hate it. Okay. So so she's saying that, that girls spend their entire youth uh, learning to please others to- definitely and okay. that's 100 percent true like even we're sort of taught to doubt even our own experiences and our own feelings about our own bodies and ourselves from a very early age you know if you're just like wearing a dress someone will be like oh your straps are showing you're a slut or you know this these things sort of happen where you're just like i'm just a person existing and all these people are projecting all this shit onto me and i have to do all these things for other people that i don't really want to do um and so i think we're all on board that that is a normal way to be raised in christian america I would say it's getting better, but I would say that, yes, I feel like up until 
present day. That's been a lot of people's experience. And it obviously depends on who your parents are and, and what they tell you and teach you. But I do think that it's only recently that a lot of these feelings have kind of started to be examined a little bit further. And we kind of raise girls differently than we used to. Um, so I would say that, yeah, that's a pretty common experience for a lot of people. But then Nicole cites a very specific example. She says that when she was a young girl, about five or six, every time she would see a woman in a miniskirt, and it was the 70s, so she would see this a lot. <laughs> all the time. All the time. She would. What do you think she did? Anyone want to take a guess? Come. Hand them a bread bowl. Uh, I, I was going to say <laughs> lick their tights, which is a thing that sometimes children used to do back lick in the day. Lick their tights? wore nylons because they are missing nutrients anyway go ahead huh. she would bite the fleshy part of the woman behind her knees you know yep. normal five-year-old stuff what the fuck that that's actually what i was thinking like i know that sounds crazy but my so my mom taught school in the early 80s okay. when they were still required to wear skirts and nylons to teach like preschool okay and she said that there were some kids that would like try to bite your legs or like yeah i i remember her talking about a kid trying to like lick her nylons one time what the fuck what okay so she uses this as a way to illustrate how we learn to repress desire at an early age but i would argue pretty heavily that if a five or six year old is biting strangers that's a behavior that does need to be corrected oh yeah absolutely (laughs) yeah so it's not a cat and even yeah. in a cat, we would try to correct that behavior. Yeah. You have a fucking zombie as a child. Right? <laughs> just running around biting ankles well, like it's the fucking cliffhanger on a Walking Dead episode. You need to find out why it's happening. Is this happening because at home, that's what it takes in order for that child to get their parents' attention? Or is this a case where there's something about the taste of people that brings them joy or that they need because they have some sort of brain disease where they're actually dead and we kind of maybe just need to shoot them in the head? What is it? Why is it going on? Kids do weird shit. We just feel like little Jimmy isn't getting enough bullets in the brain. (laughs) We want to eat his brain and gain his knowledge. I know that you're joking though about like you know that's what it that's what it takes to get attention in this house, but I I'm not joking. That that is actually I mean. that was Sorry. a real yeah. Sorry, I know you're not joking when you say that's what it takes to get attention in the household because again that is that is very real and I've seen those you know families, but god damn, imagine just going around running around in public and being like, excuse me, I okay, here we go. this is what i'm gonna say about this we're gonna head into the speculation zone real quick because i think we can all agree that a five-year-old biting women's thighs is someone who's kind of acting out and needing a yeah absolutely 100 and although nicole does not mention this in any of her biographies in any of her talks about her own life her parents divorced when she was four years old Mm. So that's something that I found in another Ancestry.com article is a divorce notice from her parents. And so if your parents are divorced when you're four, this is in 1971 when the divorce rate was about 3.5 per thousand couples, which is less than 1%. It's very taboo to be And I think that although Nicole never mentions it, this is something that had a profound impact on her and would shape her relationships 
She does mention later that when she's in her 20s that her father went to prison for molesting two young girls, though Daydone makes it very clear that she was never harmed by him. She talks about her father being generally cold towards her, and she feels like this was him trying to protect her from his own pathology. Now, a Playboy article I read mentions a rumor in one taste circles that she was abused, but without clear records, it's really tough to say, and Nicole, again, never mentions it, what other the, than that. What the fuck, Playboy? Yeah, I, there are, Playboy said a few things that are like, here are rumors about Nicole, but she is a mythic figure, and people have a lot of ideas about her, but we were unable to confirm any of these things. So I am also saying, like, maybe but it's not something that i would ever want to say for sure because that's a pretty strong allegation i wasn't able to find any sort of like criminal report or anything about that so not sure who he molested or what happened but he did go to jail um and according to linkedin nicole briefly attended temple university from 85 to 87 though she did not graduate Based on her birth date, I think that she went there first and then transferred to San Francisco State University. It lists that she graduated with a bachelor's degree in gender communication and semantics. I almost went there. That was like my my second or third choice school. I did read uh, her thesis paper, which was, sup, girl? (laughs) (laughs) Gender communication? I mean... mean I it will perfectly say, sets her up for where where we're going. Honestly, if you're gender yeah. studies and semantics, yeah, you're gonna be a sex cult leader. Like that's just what's going <laughs> on. Well, I I will you could have just said it, a cult leader, but now we're getting into semantics. Sem- <laughs> if I knew a kid was biting people's legs, and then someone was like, "Hey, that kid was abused," I'd be like, "That that explains why they're biting people's legs." Yeah, like yeah, it, it is a, exactly one to one ratio. I'm like, uh huh. I so. <sighs> I always hate that divorces are were looked at back then as like frowned upon and that's why they were rare because I know that's why they are. I know 100%. Totally, totally. But I, I like to think of them as like um, rare for a different reason, like a, like a nice kind of like, you know how like when you play Pokemon and every so often you hit a shiny Pokemon? It's like a shiny marriage. You except know what I mean? It's horrible. Yeah, and yeah. That's yeah. why it's over. Yeah, except it's awful. Except yeah. it's terrible. I I think that there are some as someone who like when I was a kid, my parents got divorced around the same time. Like my parents got divorced when I was five and there was a lot of upheaval in my home and I acted out a lot. So no one physically abused me, but I was in a home state that was tumultuous and difficult where I wasn't getting the attention I needed. And so like I acted out. That might have been the only reason that Nicole was acting out. We don't really know. But right. again, it's kind of like, mm, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. So I will say that, uh, again, with Nicole's graduation date, she doesn't list it. It's not listed in her LinkedIn profile. It's not listed anywhere. I tried to find like a concrete date. And again, I think this is another way for her to make it difficult to confirm things where she says, I graduated from here. But we can't confirm that. I, ca- I couldn't confirm that with the college or with any sort of like date in order mm-hmm. to pin down her actual age or other people that might have gone to school with her. Um, in 1995, when she's 27, her father, with whom she was largely estranged at this point, wonder why, died of cancer in prison. And she says that this is a moment that became a catalyst of change for her. Um, she briefly opened up an art gallery. It was 111 Mina Art Gallery in San Francisco. 
And but she was only listed there from 95 to 96, according to LinkedIn. I attempted to contact the gallery for details, but did not receive a response. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did contact them about getting my own art in there. <laughs> hey guys, how do you feel about Lisa Frank? But like dark though. <laughs> Legit, this gallery would totally show my art if I hadn't texted them. Do you know Nicole? They don't <laughs> because all of the art that they show is like my my art could go here. But I called them and then they texted me can you text? And then I said, hey, I'm just trying to confirm some things about Nicole they don't, and then just no response. So, <laughs> Oh, that's not good. Yeah, they don't like me. Yeah. <laughs> They're yeah. kind of mad. That's most, most bosses, if you called them and were like, hey, can we talk to you about Armando Torres? They'd be like, yeah, that's fine. But there's one Jimmy John's in San Dimas, California, <laughs> where you were like, hey, hey, uh, can you confirm that Armando work here? You just hear a manager go like, oh, fuck you, and then just hang up yeah, immediately. 100%. It's not a good sign. I feel like it's similar energy. I think that <laughs> yeah. this is a good sign. I think, I think I have some speculation here. So according to a an obituary I found, Nicole's maternal grandfather was a hobbyist painter. And I think that she might have found the art world as a place where she could explore different ideas. Um, she's looking, she's someone who seems like she's looking to build a community and art gallery is often a great place to build community. It's full of outcasts and weirdos and people looking for something and art to many people is a kind of religion. So I think that this is sort of her first stab at that, but she was, she quickly withdraws. Yeah, artists are looking for a lot of things, a lot of very specific things. Like I know, for example, that there is an artist looking for a safety cone that could also be used as a dildo. As a dildo. <laughs> and that safety cone cost $12,000 <laughs> because the gallery takes 50% and it is an art piece. Hey, that'll pay for a year of my art college. <laughs> they will not. Good luck with that, bro. <laughs> Where oh. are you going to art college? In a dumpster behind an Arby's? <laughs> that is my art school. I am opening it next week. At me if you want to. <laughs> Around. Tuition comes <laughs> with day old mozzarella sticks. <laughs> okay. But I feel like if you do, if you have a dumpster, an Arby's dumpster art school, you have to call your networking events. We've got the meets, but just <laughs> M-E-E-T-S. Welcome to Art Bees. <laughs> <coughs> oh, made me laugh so hard I got coronavirus <laughs> Jesus. around this time I will say okay. so Nicole's father dies she's experiencing a lot of upheaval she's going through all these transitions she's looking for something around this time she starts studying Kabbalah she starts studying Buddhism she's looking for answers and she states that she had not had a positive sexual experience for the most part by 1998 when she was planning on moving into the San Francisco Zen Community Center and becoming a celibate Buddhist monk. That's wow. really sad. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty intense. Bro, so. ima I mean, imagine being not, one not of her exes that was like, wow, I was <laughs> that bad. Huh? Wow. Okay. Wow. Um, I, I mean, here's... I. If you want to choose to be a Buddhist monk, that's up to you. Good for you. Live your life, whatever. If the reason that you're choosing to be a Buddhist monk is because you're like, well, sex has sucked so far, <laughs> so I'm going to have none of it. That's 
that's a, I wish I want better for you. I, I want you to experience good things. And it makes me sad. Yeah. I would I would argue that there are a lot of women in America right now that have not yeah. either not had an orgasm or not had a consistently fulfilling sex life. I would agree. And I think that this idea of, hey, I just, I'm 25 or I'm, 20, I'm 30 and I haven't had a good sexual experience is not unique. And I think yeah. that's why this whole cult exists. I um, would agree. So in 1998, at, she was planning on moving to the Zenser. She had, you know, her bags were packed. She's ready to go. When she happened to meet a cute guy at a party. Dadon says, quote, he gave me what I thought was the best pickup line I had ever heard. He said he wanted to put his attention on my orgasm for 15 minutes and I didn't have to do anything in return. That's a weird opener. That's that's an awful <laughs> pickup line. What a sales pitch, baby. Well, see here, I'm picturing that he just walked up to her and is just like, I want to put my attention on you for 15 minutes and you don't have to do anything. Just out oh, of oh. nowhere. <laughs> oh, my God. <gasps> and then you murder me after. <laughs> but here's here's the That's other a weird pickup line. Do you want to get some a punch? Oh. oh my god! Uh, this means that she's never experienced foreplay. I would imagine. Or at least that's what it seems like. She hasn't experienced fulfilling foreplay because that's what it basically sounds like this is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously, because a fucking alien walked up to her and was like, I will put my <laughs> fucking attention right on your orgasm. And she was like, <laughs> on your human female vagina. Look, man, I know I was about to give up sex for my entire life, but those very weird words put together in that sequence is making me doubt that choice. Oh, 100%. She says, so she cites this as of transformative experience. And she says this about her sex life before. She says, as a woman, I didn't feel like I had the license to be a sexual being. So I would focus on the guy during sex. Does he like it? Should I do this or that? Should we get married? Like, she just... <laughs> is doing this thing that a lot of women do when they're not comfortable asking their partner to pay attention to them during sex. And this is something that you hear over and over again in accounts of other women who join the group. It's that they feel like sex is something that they're doing to please a man, but that the man is not returning that intention to them. And they don't even feel comfortable asking. This was something that our, when we did premarital counseling, our counselor asked us and was basically like, I will not marry you unless you can answer these questions. A, do you feel safe in your sexual relationship? And B, do you feel like you can say stop at any time if you want to? And C, do you feel like you can ask for the things that you want and need in your sexual relationship? And do you feel comfortable bringing that up? So... I feel like normalize that. Normalize yeah. that question 100%. within relationships. Those were all good. Those were all good questions, but she didn't keep going. The fourth question she asked is, "Where is the Ark of the Covenant?" <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot in a woman's vagina that you don't know about. Yeah. There's just it's just a warehouse full of boxes. <laughs> yeah, actually, and you gotta find the orgasm in one of those boxes. That's the back warehouse at the tool shed. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's where they keep the old orgasms, kids. A giant crate could be a dildo. <laughs> A toy that when you open it, it melts your fucking face off? Oh, that sounds like a sex toy. 
Now, the idea that women were sexual beings was not new. In fact, the first vibrator was purportedly invented by a doctor whose fingers were tired from treating women for, quote, hysteria in the in late 1883. Whoa! He'd just been finger-blasting bitches the whole time? What a flex. Oh, my God. I, first of all, that man is a saint. Secondly, like, holy shit. Doctor, how did you get your carpal tunnel? <laughs> bitches, am I right? <laughs> Doctor, why is one of your hands way bigger than the other one? <laughs> I mean, no, just one finger. Just one <laughs> yoked out finger. Legitimately, this whole history of the creation of the vibrator is fucking crazy. It is rife with married women who fall deeply in love with or become obsessed with the doctors who get them off. And I think that has a lot to say about how infrequent a female orgasm was Holy like if you're shit. going to a doctor who prescribes you an orgasm because you don't want to ask your husband to touch your lady parts like that says a lot about our culture and how we view the female orgasm but legitimately doctors who did this quote unquote practice of curing women's hysteria which was a prescribed orgasm man they were rolling in the dough and yeah. the pussy like yeah. legitimately I- I just picture a doctor sitting behind a desk, you know, those like squeeze weights, <laughs> just like, ah, 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 working oh, on my, my grip strength. Fucking God. I just, the, 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 the idea of, of a prescribed orgasm being a part of human history is so awful because it just sounds like a premise in a bad porn movie, right? It sounds like a premise in a post like in a dystopian novel where like yes. women are prescribed orgasms because we do not have love or partners or yeah. people that care about us. Like you're prescribed or an the orgasm. wherewithal to get them when we want them. It's exactly. prescribed. Yeah. Like the idea that you can't just like touch yourself. Like a doctor has to do it. That's crazy. It's also, yeah. there's just like that whole, that whole thing you said where I, Paige and I made eye contact through Zoom when you were like, and then they fall in love with the doctors that treat them. And we were like, wait, why do they? Oh, Dr. Feel Good. Yes. Legitimately, because that oxytocin release is intense. And if you have someone that is actually paying attention to you and you are starved for physical affection, that is gonna happen. There's just one doctor at a conference, and he's just like, "Hey, um, I gotta ask you guys something. Um, do your patients like bring you like a ton of bread bowls for some reason?" <laughs> this is actually how Panera was invented. <laughs> so, the man that Daydon had encountered at this party had studied at the Lafayette Morehouse Intentional Community, which is a whole other cult that still exists in Northern California. But they are famous that in 1976 they did a public demonstration. They did a public demonstration where a woman maintained a three-hour orgasm. Oh God, that sounds exhausting. Oh, it sounds horrible. I wrote in my notes in quotes. Sounds exhausting. <laughs> so yeah. Paige and I agree. Too long. I don't need three hours. That's I- a lot. I've got things to do. I feel like it's much like a triathlon where at. A- I feel like it's a lot like a, what's the thing where people run just really far? A marathon? A marathon. It's a lot like a marathon where like, I don't know if marathon runners actually enjoy the marathon itself or if it's more the feat of accomplishment. 
Well, using that analogy, some marathon runners shit themselves because they're running for so long. If you're orgasming for three hours, I assume you will also shit yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and your nipples will bleed. I don't know. <laughs> like, well, just think of like the Charlie horses. Like, think of how how uncomfortable it would be after a while to have your body in that state of tenseness. Yeah, yes. you know, like it's really oof. intense. I can't. Well, okay. I do, you maybe you're gonna get into this in a little bit. Was it real? I don't know. It's tough to say. Okay. It's tough to say how much of this is psychosomatic and how much of it is real. Well, um, I do think it's possible because I think that their definition of an orgasm is more a woman continues to feel pleasure, and if you go slowly enough, like. I have had times where I'm by myself and I'm having a good time and like it can go on for a while, like longer than you think. I think that the concept and the idea behind it is that a man's orgasm is kind of like a one time event, whereas a woman's orgasm is a prolonged experience and it's not yeah, as intense. I, yeah, I would say I would say to call it a three hour singular orgasm is probably incorrect. I would agree. I've. I feel like if you were to argue that a woman for three hours experienced multiple orgasms over that time, I believe that. Okay. Yes, I could believe that. That makes more sense because in my mind, I thought for just three hours straight, she was just fucking, oh my God. It, it's more like a low level, like, oh my God, and then it lowers and then it, oh my God, uh -huh. and each one kind of progressively <laughs> probably gets gets bigger. There's kind of peaks and valleys. Yeah. But like, you can you can prolong that experience a long time, but it is exhausting. So exhausting. Way too much. You smoked the whole pack. I've had enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, for sure. That's like it's like when your parents found you having an orgasm and they were like, You're gonna <laughs> orgasm the whole pack, mister. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. That's what you did. <laughs> That's what they did. <laughs> so this community, the Morehouse community, was founded by doctors. They are actually doctors, technically. Doctors Susie and Victor Barranco in the late 60s. And remember them because they'll be back. I do uh, really quick. I just want to point out that being a doctor doesn't mean shit. Like you can be an. They could be a doctor of philosophy. I don't yeah. know. You can also be America's frontline doctors. You could also be <laughs> one of the fucking Nazi doctors. You could 100%. be. Have you any Have you heard that they're sex demons? Doctors say so. <laughs> yes, fucking exactly. Yeah. Nine out of ten dentists agree that Crest is better for your teeth and also that you can catch coronavirus by fucking a demon in your dream. Well, does that demon have coronavirus? Because if he does, I mean... No, the demon got tested last week. He turned out to be <laughs> fine. Um, but he is still having rallies, apparently. <laughs> so... After her experience, Daydone studied with Ray Vetterlein, a sex guru who practiced extended orgasm with women up until his death at age 89 in 2010. Now, I stumbled across an interview with Vetterlein on the Extended Lovemaking podcast recorded in 2007. So at this point, he's 84, no, 85. At this point in, in, in his life. At this point in his life. In 2007, Ray Vetterlein is 85. And this is the, the interview that he gives. It's pretty easy after you talk to him. Vetterlein also studied with Morehouse. And it's pretty clear to kind of see how and where Nicole's ideas come from. Uh, in this interview, Ray states the importance of, quote, training a woman to orgasm. He emphasizes that, therefore, it's best to learn this practice by pairing someone not with their sexual partner, but with someone who has already been trained in the technique. Okay. 
See, I think this is one of those cases where it's like you start out at something that we probably agree with and then go sharply into left field. 100%. Yeah. 100%. I do feel like part of having, as, as a woman, having orgasms consistently is A, knowing the things that you need to get there. Right. But also being in a frame of mind that is, A, I deserve this. I am entitled just like my partner is to this experience. And also having kind of an optimistic frame of mind that like I will get there because yeah. if you start with like it's never going to happen it usually won't happen yeah. yeah it's hard to feel like you're empowering women when you're saying well the problem with women is that they're not trained correctly to come yes <laughs> and I think so later on Daydon will sort of distance herself from Vetterlein and from Morehouse and a lot of that I think has to do with its patriarchal structure the idea that you need a man to come um yeah. But this is a quote, and it is mm, beautiful quote by Ray Vetterlein. And it says, with a trained woman, you can come her by stroking her earlobe. You can do it telepathically from across the room. What? This is a thing an old man said about a woman's body. I feel like he doesn't know. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm going to say no. It is, I'm going to say if that happens, it's because she is doing it, not you. 100%. <laughs> he he kind of talks a lot about being involved in like the psychic experience of a woman's orgasm and how, you know, if I'm making a woman come, I'm coming myself because we're psychically connected. And I think that's just called empathy. And I understand that it's a rare quality in men at this time, but <laughs> I think that it is possible. Um, but I don't think he's psychically making women come. I, oh, yeah? I, I, yeah. Just really cannot believe you don't that. think that's real hey baby <laughs> oh my god page is here this is inappropriate oh i did too which was real weird. <laughs> yeah <laughs> was it mccready or armando but there was a three second delay on the orgasm because of zoom <laughs> <laughs> it cut out at the end i'm sorry what happened did you finish <laughs> well the uh, podcast is over because i'm done <laughs> Time to go to sleep and smoke a bunch of cigarettes and eat a bunch of toast. So it's not clear when, and this is only mentioned in one article because it says when Daydon left. But at some point, Nicole Daydon went to live at the Morehouse Commune where she met Robert Candle. My guess is it was sort. My guess is that it was shortly after her sexual epiphany because she quit working at the gallery and she seems to kind of drop off the face of the earth she has no work history we don't know where she is i assume that she's at this commune learning sex Just what time getting period? dicked down yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah she doesn't reappear really until 2001 <laughs> she wow. she really did a full 180 on not ever having sex again, didn't she? <laughs> well, no. She so had a consistent three-year orgasm. <laughs> I mean, kind of. She's at this commune. I assume this is where she meets Vetterlein. I assume this is where she's sort of like having the sexual awakening. She's having these things kind of performed on her. Um, in 2001, Daydon and Robert Kendall and two other friends from the Morehouse commune co-founded Fill Up America. Oh, oof. Oh, hold on. With what? Yeah, Chowder? fill up with what? Oh, it uh, is fill up America like a bread bowl. <laughs> it is bread bowls. Yes, it is a nonprofit 501c organization dedicated to reallocating surplus or waste goods and distributing them to shelters and food banks. Oh, okay, that's oh. nice. When you when you said it was a nonprofit, I was like, "There's a nonprofit for fucking." <laughs> well, what? 
No. Well, no. Keep going. Uh-huh. So no. as I was looking into this, I went onto the Philip America website because Nicole lists herself as the founder up until two, 2017, and then the website drops off the face of the earth. So I used the Wayback Machine to find the website, and I looked at their mission statement, and apparently. Philip America was started as an offshoot from another nonprofit called Turn On to America, founded by Dr. Susie and Victor Barranco. Yeah, the Morehouse cult people. So she Turn is, On America. Is it to provide electricity to people who don't <laughs> have it? Or or is it just like to provide people with D batteries for them super strong <laughs> to, to be vibrating able to turn dildos? Them. So I, I, I also want to point out that the first one is Turn On America. The second one is Fill Up America. So logically, <laughs> the third one is Let's Just Cuddle America. <laughs> I think that these are sexual innuendos for a reason. I think that yeah. they come yeah. from cults that base their life and their practice around sex. And so I think that the language of sex becomes, and this is something we sort of see later in the culture of the group, that the language of sex becomes a metaphor for other actions in everyday life. And so they say things like, oh, I'm so turned on right now to be like, I feel good. I feel full, even though they're not like turned on in a sexual way. So I think that. All right. All right, mom. I just asked if you had a nice day. (laughs) Jesus. Fuck. I mean, this is kind of what they're doing. But the thing about it is you can already sort of see that she and Kendall are branching off. So she's still part of this larger group. She's still living at the Morehouse Commune at this time, but she is separating herself from that. And something that I looked into because I have friends who work in nonprofit, something I wanted to know is, can you, if you're a 501c, can you pay yourself a salary? The answer is yes. So if you are accepting donations from people and you are paying yourself a salary, you can pay yourself a salary as part of your overhead without it being like bad quote unquote or feeling like oh it's not going to the donations because you're not paying someone else all your people are still volunteers but if your core staff of four people who came from this other cult and founded their own 501c are paying themselves money no one's going to bat an eye so i speculate heavily that daydon and kendall are taking some money in order to run this nonprofit. Hmm. It almost sounds, and this is, I'm going to throw a whole lot of allegedly's on here and, and put so ourselves in the every speculation allegedly, zone. Every allegedly. Yeah. But this sounds like almost a borderline money laundering technique. Well, okay. Here's a what I will say. A lot of nonprofits do this. Yes. And there are some, like, take for example, um, like, let's say you have an animal rescue and you're the main employee and you started day. a donation to, yeah, you're there every day. That's your only job. I think you should get paid money to do that For sure. as long as the needs of the organization are being met and you're transparent about what is happening with that money. This is a case where I think it's a little bit different. That's what I mean. Yeah. Nonprofits as like a concept are fine, but this sounds like uh, if they're forming nonprofit and then another one and then another one and then maybe other ones yes. from there that are connected mm-hmm. to this group that can take those in and then pay out each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a little sketch. It's a little bit weird. It's a little bit hard to follow. Um, I think that something that I've seen in the past with other nonprofits is you do have nonprofits where like your CEO only makes 60000 a year and it's clear that this is a way to just kind of keep the nonprofit moving because they're dedicating all their time to this thing. But then you right. also do have nonprofits where like your CEO makes a million dollars a year. You don't, 
you're at a certain point, it's not justified. So I'm not sure what the finances of this are. This is a heavy mm-hmm. speculation. Um, but I, I have some doubts. And part of the reason is because when I was researching this, some articles say that Daydone and Candle started One Taste in 2001. Some say they started it in 2004. But I did find that they started Philip America in 2001. And I think that's the conflation is that those... Mm different businesses sort of merged a little bit in people's minds and that there might have been some flexibility and some flow between the businesses um in 2004 daydone and candle do found the one taste urban retreat center in san francisco on Folsom street oh okay that makes sense (laughs) that it's there for those of you that don't know uh Folsom Street is home to the world-famous Folsom Street Fair, which is an annual celebration of San Francisco's gay and kink communities. It originally started as a way for the gay community that was at Folsom Street to halt redevelopment, that large corporations were going to come and sort of like take over and bulldoze and take all their homes. And they're like, hey, we're here. Like, we don't need you. We are developed. We don't need your development bullshit. We have our own community. And then over time, it evolved as a way to combat AIDS. But it has always been a celebration of queer culture. So Folsom Street is kind of where it's at if you want to do some crazy sex shit. I mean, and feel... Like, hey, this isn't that weird. Vice has done a a few different documentaries and specials where they go to the Folsom Street Fair. It's like a salad bar of all the different flavors of kink. And it is all there. Totally. Totally. Huge. It is massive. I'll have a little BDSM. I'll have a little bit of... I'll have a little bit of furries. Ooh, and I'm going to put croutons over the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Um... So according to Nicole, one taste comes from the Buddhist expression, just as the ocean has one taste, the taste of salt, so does the taste of liberation, the taste of truth. I felt I had tasted truth that I had to share with the world. Okay. All right. Hold up. First, <laughs> a couple things. First of all, ocean has many, 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 many tastes. Uh, my, po- evidence point A, sushi restaurants. All right. But secondly, if you want to take it more literally, um, have you ever accidentally drank ocean water? Well, I think it is also because a pussy and an ocean do taste similar. Mmm. Girl, you need to shower more. <laughs> <laughs> because I will refer you back to point B. Have you ever gotten ocean water in your mouth? Oh, it's not pleasant, yeah. but it is salty. It is always salty. Um, so the primary focus of the center at this time was to offer workshops that delve into mindful sexuality. They cover relationship dynamics. They cover consciousness meditation yoga they also have a residential program as a means for integrative practice when i read that i was like oh they also have a residential program and i realized like oh that's the commune part that's the part where everyone is living together yes in Mm -hmm. in 2005 one taste was written up by the san francisco gate for its quote naked yoga classes taught by meredith midland 
Can you imagine the smell? Can you imagine <laughs> the smell? <laughs> they, you haven't considered the smell. They quote people and a lot of people are like, you know, it's just a really great way to just like feel like we're all just really here. And like I what the funniest thing is some people see it as like a very spiritual thing. And some people are like, it's great because clothes limit my mobility. You know, like it's, <laughs> <laughs> like it's a guy that's like my balls get crushed. And then there's a lady like I just feel like more free when I don't feel the limitations mm. of clothing and these trappings of materialism. And it's just like some guys like my balls itch and it's great. Sometimes when I stretch, my balls need to fly. It's it's pretty funny. Uh, but this is something that they do at the end of every class at this time. It's described Meredith Midland, who teaches the class, had students lie down on their backs and place their left hand on their hearts. One taste, one touch, one life, one city, one world. So you can see that One Taste is starting to incorporate ritual into its practice. Yeah, that was like a that was like a real horny pledge of allegiance. <laughs> <laughs> that was like... I feel like I'd be the asshole laying there like in darkest day, in in darkest night. <laughs> <laughs> I am the Batman. Have no fright. <laughs> By day don't account. By Daydone's own accounts, the center was not immediately successful. She speaks at her TED Talk of an early journal entry by Candle that says, quote, Two people showed up to the business this week. The first was the postman. The second was a wrong address. <laughs> Hi, I'm, uh, I'm just looking for a place to buy tools. I'm the dad from the other joke. I'm really confused right now. <laughs> well, it just reminds me of like early cult podcast days where for a while people were like, this is the one by Parcast, right? And you're like, no, but please stay. <laughs> <laughs> we're fun, too. I would say more fun. <laughs> yeah, podcast has a lot of facts, and then we're over here like, <laughs> and then, yeah, fuck I, Trump, Red Bull sex, let's Red do Bull, it. Red Bull sex, you have to orgasm the whole pack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, art beast. I mean, so according to Playboy, in 2006, Daydona Candle officially left Morehouse and formed their own commune in San Francisco. Now, Daydone does not talk about this in any other, like, news sources or articles. She doesn't, over time, she starts to sort of distance herself from the Morehouse place altogether. And I think part of that is because she wants to be that new, sexy, relatable, marketable version. And Morehouse is that old, hippie, weird cult version. And I think mm. she's sort of distancing herself to make this more marketable. And something that she does at this time is she rebrands the techniques that she learned at Morehouse as orgasmic meditation or oming for short. The idea is she's sort of trying to combine <laughs> transcendental, transcendental meditation and sort of health and wellness with like, yeah, and then you just like, you know, jerk a woman off. <laughs> My least favorite part about... My least favorite part of meditation is when I see your ohm face. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, this is what Playboy says. Around 44 people shared 22 beds in an open plan warehouse. Nightmare. Everything from oming to fighting to sex happened in a shared space. Oh. Now, oh. it is not explicitly stated, but I would be willing to bet that a huge chunk of those numbers are also younger people that left the Morehouse cult. Because I don't think those people just came out of nowhere. 
Um, right. I yeah. do think that this is them sort of branching off and starting their own thing and wanting to be something new and sexy and something else. But also, can you imagine living in one room with 44 people? It's like a horrible nightmare. Yeah. This reality happens in Los Angeles constantly, though. <laughs> it That's true. There all are, are a lot of like shared there. I cannot tell you the number of times when I moved here and I was looking for a place to live where it'd say artist lofts and I would say great and then I would find out that I had to share a bed with someone and you're just like no that is not what an artist yeah. loft is because like in Milwaukee where I come from an artist loft is like a fun trendy space where it's like we have a gallery in the basement and you have a small apartment and you know it's big enough that you can make art in the end no yeah. welcome to los angeles where it's like we don't have any space double up yeah. everyone sleep on top of each other i mean yep. i would assume that that is why we have so many cults here is because it's so easy when you don't have money to blur the lines between what is poverty and what is just a community yeah and we've covered mm -hmm. it a thousand times i mean Paige is the one that brought it up first but it's it's easier to to go somewhere like this than it is to like go to a shelter no go home yeah yeah go home yeah, yeah like yeah. you just get stuck doing this shit it's i mean it's ripe it's ripe for it los angeles in particular so in this commune oming ritual starts at 7 a.m every day and it is only open to the 60 members of the commune so by this point the cult has grown a bit um mm -hmm. they call each other research partners quote unquote which is exactly what morehouse did Morehouse, they all they were research partners. We're just doing research, and they would sort of pair people off with people that weren't their spouses. It didn't matter. This this is your research partner today, so mm -hmm. it's pretty clear where they're getting this language from at this time. Uh, now you might ask, Paige, what exactly is Omi? As yeah, I would. <laughs> As Dijon will outline later in her book, Soft Sex, oming is a ritualized sexual practice in which a man stimulates a woman's clitoris for exactly 15 minutes with no expectation of reciprocity. And there are a lot of rules to it. First of all, you can see that with a woman as the leader, the time frame has shortened from three hours to 15 minutes. <laughs> to 15 minutes? I think that 15 minutes is a refreshing and fun orgasm. Instead of the three-hour hellscape. It also sounds yeah. a lot more streamlined. Where <laughs> yes. initially that three hours, I bet like two and a half of it was figuring out what the fuck they were doing. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So this is exactly what happens. And Daydone lays out very specific rules. And she has a lot of thinking behind those rules. Um, but it is a pretty simple thing. First, the man builds a nest of pillows for the woman to lay in. That's sweet. Pro. I'm here for it. Yeah. It is. I'm going to I'm going to go I'm going to go all crow on you, baby. <laughs> kind of. And it, she talks about this as one of the barriers between couples one of the barriers to women having an orgasm in a couple is they don't feel a sense of safety. And so this is a way for a woman to feel safe and it is also a way that you are ritualizing the space where this is not a space for sex. We are setting the scene that this is a space for only the female coming and he's not going to try to grope you. He's not going to try to make out with you. Like this is your safe space to just come. And so it's very clear that it's separate and that it is something that the man is doing for the woman. Um, 
The woman then undresses only from the waist down, and the man remains clothed. Winnie the Poohing? Totally. Oh, I, I do think it's funny that he finds a nest, and then she Winnie the Poohs. What's next? Does he find shiny things? Is it, <laughs> I mean, does he eat a bunch of food and then vomit it back into her mouth? If by shiny oh, things you mean lube, definitely. Uh, <laughs> the woman then spreads her legs, and the man comments on her vagina. Wow, that's a pretty no, great thank pussy. You. No, thank you. That's it is weird. When she describes it, I was like, this is the most uncomfortable part. You've got um, a handsome pussy, ma'am. So, no. So what, What the? it's very specific about the practice that he only comments noticing statements, which are, I noticed that your labia are coral. I noticed that you're experiencing some swelling. It is always noticing statements. There is no judgment value placed on the statement. And it is a way for a woman to become comfortable with how her downstairs looks. Damn, girl, your Damn. pussy swole. <laughs> Damn, bitch, you got labes for days. <laughs> yeah, so the idea, and it's interesting because like a lot of women say that like, I don't like the way my vagina looks. And I've always been nervous about a man touching me there. I've been nervous about a man going down on me because I am insecure about what my vagina looks like. And they said that when a man said these noticing statements, I knew they weren't lying to me by being like, it's beautiful. They're just saying what they see, but it makes me comfortable with the idea that that's just what it is and that it's not scary and it's not a turnoff for him. I notice that your vagina seems to be a portal to the never-ending void. Mm. Um, <laughs> and also uh, that you've adopted a lightning bolt pattern for your pubic hair. <laughs> I call it the Zeus hole. <laughs> Fun Zeus fact, hole. before Armando and I officially dated, he did refer to my vagina as a an unending void i think i we were talking about we were talking about nihilism and i said damn girl I, I know a way to plug up that endless void or something like that i can't remember what it was <laughs> real real sweet talk yeah real sweet talk it sounded it was better when it, it was happened a good bit at the time um <laughs> so then the man will don a glove <laughs> oh i am out i am so out no thank you whoa Research partners. Like, wait, 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 are we talking like a rubber? I'm just picturing like Dr. Frankenfurter, just like yeah. snapping. Yeah, it. Oh, that's exactly. You put on one glove, Michael Jackson style. <laughs> no, 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 not Michael Jackson style. Oh, it's for sure, for sure. Yeah, he didn't touch women. Um, <laughs> that's not the problem. My head. Nonsense. These are adult women. Go ahead. <laughs> So you put on one glove and he gently dips a single finger in lube at the height of one taste. You can get one taste branded lube. I don't think it has a taste, oddly enough, because I don't think you ever taste it. One taste. It's banana. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, this lube tastes like the ocean. <laughs> I, I should have just licked this bitch. It would have tasted the same. Lamb chowder. So... No. So the man continues. He begins to very softly stroke the upper left. I was trying to figure out what upper left quadrant was. I'm sorry if I looked very oh, confused on the stop. Zoom call. This is no, this is just way too clinical for I was just touch it, dude. See how I react. It is very clinical. And the idea is that this is a way for the woman to be in control. Where if a man says, I'm going to do this to you now, she says, thank you. 
If she doesn't like it, she can say no. I don't want that. Or she can offer small adjustments, but it is the man essentially asking for permission for every action. And I think that if you are someone who had had a lot of negative sexual experiences, this would yeah. feel like a safe space to explore your own orgasm. So I really kind of understand it. Yeah. Um, it's a sexy sandbox. It is. Uh, and so let's see. Oh, Michael Jackson style. Another thing that happens is the man never makes eye contact with the woman. <laughs> Here for it. <laughs> 100% agree. And Nicole's kind of like... what? Well, no. If you're just weirdly stroking me with a glove on and you're a stranger, like... Okay, all right. I don't want to see your face. That's fair. And part of it is that Nicole says that if you're a woman, a lot of times during sex, you're kind of performing for the man. And he's asking for your approval. And so by not looking at your face, he's allowing you space to sort of be present and enjoy it and not feel like you have to perform for him or have to sort of like lie for him or say like, I'm feeling things that you're not feeling. So that's sort of the, the thought process behind it, which I kind of get. That kind of makes sense to me. Um, and after exactly 15 minutes, no more, no less, he stops. The couple then takes turns verbalizing how and what they felt before thanking each other so the man will say like i noticed uh electricity coming from your vagina or i noticed the pressure or i noticed this or that and why are wait, why are why are all of these characters fucking x-men <laughs> i believe it's what's the guy the the the, the shock wave I noticed that tentacles came out and sucked my eyeballs and then you saw my future and then I exploded into a blood mist. <laughs> I mean, Thank you. That did happen. <laughs> Thank you. It is a way. So the whole idea is that this is a way to normalize expressing both need and expressing experience with your partner, which I would say is a huge part of any healthy relationship where you say like, Hey, I, during sex, I really liked when you did this to me and your partner is like, I will take a mental note and do this again because that's the thing that you like and I care about you. And so it is a way to sort of foster more intimacy and this is it. That's it. You're done. There's nothing else. And if, you decide you want to have sex after this you put your nest away and the near the rules are really clear about that and it is because if you normalize having sex after the nest if you normalize having sex after this ohm experience and you just do it in the same place then the woman doesn't have sort of the freedom to reject that you know it's then it mm. becomes expected then it's like oh if he does this to me now we have to have sex afterward and i don't want that and so it's a way to sort of normalize like this is for you this is something that i am doing for you it's an experience we're sharing together but it's a safe space for you um mm -hmm. the the idea of the ohm is it gives women permission to enjoy the journey rather than pushing them ever sooner to the finale hmm. yeah because the whole goal of the whole thing is like you just, this is for you to have a good time. And if you come, you come. And if not, that's fine. But the idea is that you sort of experience this prolonged pleasure. Whereas like a lot of times when we have sex, it's like, you know, have, did you come yet? Can I come now? You know, like it's this sort yeah. of thing where you're just, there's these expectations and like, you're like, oh, I'm almost there. And then you get frustrated and then you can't come and then you lie and whatever. Like that's a thing that has not happened to me in this relationship, but that has happened to me in other relationships where I'm like, I'm not going to come this time and I don't want to deal with his hurt feelings. So I'll just say I did. So I don't have to deal with this, yeah. you know? 
I just thought it was sweet that what they're basic, what they're basically saying is that coming was the friends we made along the way. It is. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. Coming is indeed the friends we made along the way. So around this time, one taste is limping along, slowly growing, until in March of 2009, the New York Times publishes an article called, quote, The Pleasure Principle outlining the principles of the practice and highlighting Nicole as the leader and cult-like personality of the group. It says, quote, As with many a commune before it, the leader of One Taste, Miss Dedone, is a polarizing personality whom admirers venerate as a sex diva, although some former members say she has a cult-like power over her followers. They say she sometimes strongly suggested who should pair off with whom romantically. Alana Arbach, a One Taste member, is quoted in the article as saying, you, tr- you stop trusting yourself and start trusting Nicole. Hmm. So Nicole claims she doesn't invite this sort of all-powerful image. She says, quote, there's a high potential for this to be a cult. <laughs> she says, quote, there's a high potential for this to be a cult. Um, and she <laughs> states... That that is part of the reason why she recently moved out of the communal living. So in 2008-ish, she moves out of the communal living. And she says it's in part to fight this tendency. She says, whenever I was in the space, everyone just treated me like a guru. I'd wake up and people would come sit on my bed. This is what I think really happened. She now lives with Reese Jones, her boyfriend, a brainiac who sold a computer software company he founded to Motorola for $208 million and makes financial resources available to One Taste, including helping buy a retreat in Stinson Beach, California. I think what happened was she got tired of living in a warehouse with a bunch of people, got a rich boyfriend, and went and lived with him. I don't think it's because people were fawning over her and she didn't want that image. I think it's really just, I get to be a person now and this is great. Yeah. Uh, so it is kind of funny. You can see she is sort of reframing everything as trying to be this, like, I am a, like, other people say I'm a spiritual guru, but, like, I'm not a spiritual guru. But, like, other people say I am a lot. You know, it's that mm. kind of thing where people are like, other people tell me what great eyes I have all the time. Where you're trying to tell mm. people something about yourself without feeling like that's what you really think about yourself. Huh. Yeah. Um, so- yeah, a lot of people tell me that I'm really funny all the time and that I never interrupt what people are saying to make unfunny jokes. <laughs> a lot of people tell me that. A lot of people tell me that I'm like a bread bowl, like <laughs> that they love me the same way that they love bread bowls. And I'm just, you know, I'm not going to say that I have a crust or anything, <laughs> but like... Despite this, so despite some pretty clear warning signs in this New York Times article, the article pushes one taste and its practice of oming to the forefront of this trending sexuality. Despite some clear warning signs, this article pushes one taste and the practice of oming that Daydone suddenly purports to have learned from a Buddhist monk and not from the Morehouse school to the forefront of trending sexuality. And also not from a guy at a party with, quote, the best (laughs) pickup line. She does. With some magic fingers. (laughs) She does continue to say, like, oh, this guy at this party just, like, showed me this great thing. 
But it's not, she really starts to, at this time, she is distancing herself heavily from the Morehouse cult. And I think part Mm. of that is her, number one, she's changing this practice to be more feminine and female-centric, led by women. It is, women are the matriarchs in this group. And secondly, she is trying to make it more mainstream. And that's a huge thing for her. So we're going to stop for this week. Um... And next week, we'll sort of cover what happens after she's boosted into stardom, essentially, by this New York Times article. Again, the article says she's kind of a cult. This is a cult. Hey, guys, this is kind of a cult. She's kind of a cult leader. And then people are like, oh, my God, I want to come. To to be fair, our own listeners uh, have been told when they join our Patreon that they are joining a cult. In fact, we give out cult identification cards. 100%. And I will cover next week sort of how the clear warning signs that this is a problematic group are ignored and sort of like talked around by both members Mm. and the people outside. So, yeah, that's the first half of the uh, one taste. Holy shit. That is nuts. I cannot wait for next yeah, week. I'm actually... No, it's not nuts, Paige. It's vaginas, okay? <laughs> I'm actually really bummed that we couldn't get all of it in this week because I have <laughs> so many great things for next week, you guys. I'm sorry. Hold on. Wait. You're, oh you're bummed because we couldn't what? Get, get it in. Get it, get it in. all in? Get it all. Yeah. Get it all in. Take it. Get it all in there. <laughs> Get it all in, Derry. Actually, this is great, though, because it gives me more time to flesh out all the crimes. Oh, God. Ooh, <laughs> crimes. Alleged crimes. Alleged crimes. Yes. So, thanks, guys. This was fun. This was fun. I, I had a blast. I can't wait for next week. I love it. Um, I had a finger blast. <laughs> <laughs> it was part of the cult. It was part of the cult. <laughs> When Andrea researches, she gets like really into. <laughs> yeah. Well, Andrea's hands get really into her, rather. <laughs> to the wrist. <laughs> oh my fucking god! Oh Jesus! All right, this episode, uh, just like every episode, is brought to you by um, <laughs> Panera Bread. No, it is not. <laughs> do you wanna? Do you want a bread bowl which is just a bread that we fucked a bunch (laughs) that is just filled to the brim with hot creamy white liquid then come on down to panera where we are just disgusting (laughs) not everything on the menu though i didn't i didn't mean like panera is a bad uh, uh restaurant i just mean that um a a bread bowl filled with cum would be terrible that's a lot. It's, it's too much. Yeah. It's too it much. Um, no, obviously this episode is brought to you by uh, Art Bees. If you want to <laughs> grow your art skills and get uh, a day-old uh, <laughs> meat sandwich, uh, then come on down to the dumpster behind Art Bees on first. Okay. Um, Roasties. <laughs> thank Aww. you. 
Uh, no, this episode is obviously <laughs> call back to Andrea's last episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I love when you do episodes because they are always insane. They're always insane, and they're always no. It's not that long. It's two parts. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite. My favorite thing about Andrea doing episodes is like she's the fucking tortured artist. Where before we recorded, she was like, "It's shit. It's shit, and I'm shit. None of this is funny, and it's absolutely terrible." And we couldn't even get through the fucking sources in 15 minutes we got we got through two and a half pages of a six page outline today <laughs> you fucking genius i love you uh our episode is brought to you by our wonderful amazing patreon donors <laughs> this episode in particular is brought to you in part by dr jules not the helpful type of doctor that writes out prescriptions <laughs> the type that experiments in the lab i feel like this is fucking pertinent because apparently the super important doctors that fill out prescriptions sometimes they fuck up <laughs> as i found out this yeah, week yeah and sometimes they prescribe you orgasms <laughs> thank you <laughs> As Paige found can out i this refill week. this in the middle of a writing <laughs> oh my god thank you dr jules um i hope that you and your research partner are the right kind of research partner and not the one taste type of research partner oh no i'm just imagining you go to the rite aid and then you s like slowly slide them your prescription over the table and then they hand you a plastic baggie with a dildo in it <laughs> <laughs> could be a traffic cone could be your medication take two of these and call me in the morning or nudge me oh Poke my me god on facebook i'm that kind of doctor <laughs> okay uh this episode has been so much fun i'm really excited for part two andre you did an absolutely amazing job thanks guys um mm -hmm. if you want to subscribe to our patreon you can go to patreon.com slash cult podcast um i'm gonna say if you want to come come see our live show which is uh this saturday right yeah. yeah 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 this, saturday. this saturday it is indeed this saturday get them tickets or get out baby i think <laughs> that we are going to cut the tickets on uh we are cutting tickets off on Friday, um, on this Friday, which is the 30th. I didn't even have to look at a calendar because I know when Halloween is. Good job. <laughs> um, it is Friday the 30th. We are going to cut tickets off. Uh, that way we can make sure that we email everyone um, a password so that they can get onto the, they can get into the live show. Uh, that way you, you know. You'll be able to do it. We are working on some uh, technical things that I'm really excited about. Um, we're trying to figure out a way that we can have a, a, a chat that that people viewing will be able to uh, be on and interact with each other. But we'll see if that you know ends up ends up going there. We might have a, a section with audience participation. We will see. Um, no matter what, though, the episode's going to be really great. The show is going to be amazing. I've heard great things about the horror version live show. Yeah, we did a test run, and it is fire. Okay. I cannot wait. I'm also really excited. Everyone, get your eggplant emojis ready for that chat box. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Get the water squirt emojis ready. <laughs> but before Mikey you... is single, ladies. 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 
but before you send those squirt emojis, make sure you send at least 20 pillow emojis. Thank you. <laughs> build me an And also 14 baguette emojis. Yes. Hashtag build me a nest. This is how I feel <laughs> safe in my bread bowl. <laughs> Make a pillow fort out of bread bowls. Man. Now you that can That actually come. sounds like heaven. I Are just, you kidding me? I just realized a bread Except bowl. Except for all the rats in the city. I just realized a bread bowl is the closest thing the food world gets to a jacuzzi. I mean, kind yeah. of. Kind of. Uh, put some hot jets in my chili bowl, Pan- Panera. <laughs> um um, if you want to buy tickets to our live show, you can go to coltpodcastshow.com. Uh, they are available in the shop for $20. 25% of your ticket purchase will help out uh, Panic Fest, our friends in Kansas City. Um, and you will get to see a horrifically funny double feature starring Colt Podcast and Horror Virgin. Woo-hoo. I'm so excited. It really is unfair that Paige gets to be in both because she knows all the fun <laughs> secrets. Yeah. And we have no I idea do. what's going to happen. Paige is the Halloween queen. I might, I might, I don't, don't hold me to this, but I might open a poll up on Patreon and let them decide what I dress up as for Halloween. That's actually a great idea. That'd be idea. really funny. Uh, so That's Patreon members, check that out. Um <laughs> patreon.com slash cold podcast if you uh if you want to buy tickets you can go to our website i already gave that out uh tickets like i said just to reiterate it they are no longer for sale on friday october 30th uh other than that if you want to listen to our show in a fun new place you can go to rooster teeth's official website or their app i don't know if y'all knew this rooster teeth has an app and that shit bangs because uh there's so much great content that's just on there um you don't need to pay anything to have an account to use the app to watch shit uh we there you there is an option to pay and then you can get i think ad free and some other really cool shit yeah um but the app just comes with so much amazing content uh 20 plus episodes of our show notwithstanding the other content alone super great so check out rooster teeth's website check out their app that shit bang um good morning i think i speak for all of us when i just say go 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 yeah it's <laughs> actually part of our <laughs> yes <laughs> yes queen <laughs> um still continue to tweet at blaine gibson and rooster teeth to make uh wolf mountain slash uh rooster teeth free range is i think what i called the american ninja warrior show that we're developing <laughs> quote unquote developing wait is this just where ripped rooster teeth employees do you can just ninja say warrior? blame you can I'm say sorry. blame this is where blame uh just works out in his driveway and i eat hamburgers and look and just go like mm, yeah you got swole this- man what this has to be in the future when we can go places and not have to be stuck inside is that we go to Texas, we set up an obstacle course for Blaine to do, and then we're the color commentary of like, if we're looking at stamina, he's really got the grip strength to pull through that like trail of cones and stuff. Like, that's what it has yes, to be. That's 100%. Exactly and I am here want. for it. I feel like Blaine would be here that for it. That sounds really fun. Uh, tweet at Blaine. He's yes. uh, at 
B underscore Gibbles, I think, on Twitter. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but I'm sure he'll definitely appreciate this and not at all text me angrily. Um, if you, let's see, if you want to send me, if you want to send me your, uh, your, if you want to send me what you think would be part of the cult podcast X Panera bread meal, um, that we're launching. So we've already established that it comes with a bread bowl. And the drink number one, Kool Aid. Number well, hold on, because our drink is supposed to be Monster. So now I pitch this to you. Oh no, that's um, right, like a Kool Aid flavored Monster. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this, oh, is, this is no. gonna this is gonna make you vomit. My no. initial idea was a can of Monster, and then we just pour a Kool Aid packet into that. That actually doesn't sound too bad, uh, but you're going to vomit at this idea, which is a bread bowl filled with yogurt, like a parfait. (laughs) Baby, you don't fucking know me because that sounds good. (laughs) You get the right kind of bread? Or wait, no, we got to fill the bread bowl with meat Kool-Aid. Oh, I forgot about meat Kool-Aid. Yeah, if you want to send me uh, what you think would be uh, an equally monstrous thing, um, hey, if you're a fucking... Panera Bread executive <laughs> board member. And I know you listen to this show, Panera Bread CEO uh Breadman. Uh you you <laughs> Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> the Pillsbury Doughboy. Um No, it's actually it's it no, it's Breadman who is Redman from Wu Tang Clan's doughy cousin. Um I, like it's just Redman after he joined Bread Talk. <laughs> Yes. Which I don't know if any of y'all are on Bread Talk. What up, Hannah Bread Talk? Holla at me. Your videos are fire. Uh, Bread Talk, I know you watch Cold Pot. I know you listen to Cold Podcast. <laughs> Definitely don't. It's okay. Um, no, if you if you want to send me what you think would be part of our meal, hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at Mondo Does Stuff. M-A-N-D-O Does Stuff. Hey, guys. If you're still listening... <laughs> After these 12 hours of ads and bits, <laughs> uh, you can follow me on all the things at Sundress Comic. You can check out my art at Andrea Gazetta or my website at AndreaGazetta.com. I want to say if you want to send me your most contemporary dildo. <laughs> Your dildo as work of art, please send it to me or photos of it to me on all the things at Sundress Comic. Um, also, if you did order my book, I want to say I am still waiting for that from the printers, but I did send in the order. So as soon as I get the as soon as I get those books, I'll send them to you. And thank you so much. And I love you. Um, hi, it's me, your friend uh, with a lot of bread and time on her hands. Uh, I want... You, if you are a bread maker, if you do breads, I want to see your best attempt at at bread genitals. So whatever genitals you want that to be, that's what I want to see. Bake them, send me pictures of them, post them in the groups, whatever. That's what oh I want. Oh my God, it's like that crisscross bread, but it's just a beautiful vagina bread. Ooh. Yeah. I was thinking about- Hot cross on these sexy buns. <laughs> <laughs> If somebody could make me a uh, dick and balls out of Mexican sweetbread, I will love you forever. Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds beautiful. And can they be that like if pink you, powdery color? Yeah. 
Oh, like a concha? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a concha yeah, that's Vermont. somebody's conscious? <laughs> like, yeah. Please. Do that. Please, please. Please do that. Um, you can also send things to me at Paige Wesley on Twitter or at Rampage Wesley on Instagram, pretty much everywhere else. You can also, uh, you can send, <laughs> you can send us any of these things on our Instagram or follow us if you want to, uh, 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 learn, keep in touch with the show at, on Instagram at, uh, I don't know why I fucked all of that up. If you want to, <laughs> if you want to stay in touch with the show, just follow us on Instagram at Colt Podcast. Or on Twitter at Colt Podcast Show. You can also uh, follow us on Twitch where we will be <laughs> orgasming for three hours straight. No, no. <laughs> While eating bread yes. bowls. If by orgasming you mean eating bread bowls, yes. <sighs> oh, uh, if, you, if you want to send us coupons to Panera Bread. Oh, yes. Then I don't have you to show s- a man my vagina. <laughs> <laughs> or <laughs> that's thank you. Yeah. If you if you want to send us coupons to Panera Bread so that we don't have to show people our genitals, you could send those to three seven five six West Avenue forty Suite K number two thirty seven. Like the shining. Like the shining. Los Angeles, California, nine zero zero six five. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Panera Bread talking. <laughs> and I'm gonna say, don't drink lube. Oh. That's not Actually, what it's for. You can some of them though. Yeah, but it all has one taste. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And don't drink the Kool Aid. Bye. Bye. Bye.